Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast, episode number four, five, four. You're going to learn a lot today because the interview is brilliant, but three key things. One is defining your strategic intent, so how to do it, and most importantly, how to stick to it, and some great points around um, qualifying clients. The second is around running a full service business to a very tight niche, and how do you define it? How do you do that? And the third is how do you build a rock solid and inspiring culture? Right. And there will be a reason why I use rock and pardon the pun. If you're a first time listener and you love what you hear, please subscribe. It's really for you as a cloud consultant. So if you're, you know, consulting and deploying any SaaS platform, you're in the right space. And uh, if you're a regular, let me know that you listen and, you know, send me a topic that you'd love me to cover or someone maybe that you'd like me to interview. It could even be you. So Paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. There's a full transcript in the website, which is paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. You can also get the transcript and a bit of a summary in the app that you're listening to. And before we go into the interview with Steve, I'd like to thank two of our sponsors. One is the Cloud Consultants Collective. It's a free Slack community of like-minded peers helping each other to scale. So you can go to cloudconsultantscollective.com. And the other is SendSpark, a great video platform which allows you to personalize at scale. I've got some brilliant new uh, features that I've just released and you can get six months free at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash send spark. Today's guest is Steve Witherington. He had a stellar career in corporate rising to executive VP levels and then he took the leap into his own agencies and he then merged two agencies because he realized that his ideal client wanted full service and, um, you know, he now runs that full service agency helping SMBs in Western Canada. He's heavily involved in charitable work and boards and uh, volunteers extensively in his local area. He's climbed 50 of the highest peaks in the world, including Mount Everest. And that's the play on the pun before about rock. And he sort of talks about what he learned from his mountaineering experience that he applies into agency life, which you will get benefit from. And uh, I really believe this interview is not just inspiring, it's also very educational. So now I'll hand it over to Steve Witherington from Roadmap Agency. Great to have you here, Steve. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm looking so forward to this. We've had some great conversations and, you know, people say that they've got a unique way of running their business, but normally it's pretty much the same as everyone else, but you definitely have. And, uh, you know, I really like your the way that you set up your business when we go into more detail in that on today's show but why don't we just start off with uh your ideal client you know who do you love to to work with so our ideal client uh, came from the idea or the gap which we saw in the marketplace and we we started roadmap roadmap is a combination of two previous uh, micro agencies that have come together to form the company of roadmap and what, what the, the group of uh, owners saw was that the small to medium enterprises uh, were being served with, call it point solutions by marketing agencies versus a holistic platform type solution. 
and and so our ideal client is uh, three to fifteen million up, upwards, maybe of twenty five million. At least has a, a good three years in the marketplace. We aren't industry agnostic, meaning that we'll take on anybody. There are industry segments that we we specialize in agriculture. Uh, we're B to we're B to A, which means we we focus in that messy area of companies that do B to B sales and B to B sales, and they need somebody that can figure out how to differentiate the go to market strategies and uh, and separate their marketing activities for those two different market segments because you tend to get firms that do b2b or they do b2c and we've kind of we we actually chase the b2a crowd which is a smaller segment and so you'll get you'll get b2a people in it in agriculture in certain man, manufacturing segments uh you know in in certain types of retail environments where they have retail plus then they sell wholesale and they've yes. got both they've done they've done integration in their, in their vertical up or down stream so yeah, it's it's the B to A, and uh, and then we have a bunch of different like um, attitudes about the, the company. They they want to be grow. We want companies that are growth orientated. Obviously, we want companies that believe in technology because I don't want to have to convert them to understand that they need tech to be to be able to be successful. Um, and uh, you know, and, and there's a few other things: value alignment. Um, generally, a lack of a full marketing team because we come in as the fractional C-suite. CRO, CMO, CTO, and and, uh, and so that's how we've really really defined it. But but looking at that that group, so only four percent of companies get over a million bucks, yes. and then only 0.1 percent of companies get over ten million bucks. So that group, we wanted to help that group because we felt in the world we live in, which is you know Western Canada. Uh, my my company has offices in th- you know two provinces and really we span business of three provinces, yes. which isn't a whole lot of people in Western Canada, six and a half million people, but you know geography the size of Australia probably yeah. um, or close to. Uh, at any rate, though, um, I felt and the partners felt that if we're going to move the needle and help our society, if we can make that segment of the privately owned enterprise more viable and stronger, so they grow up, well, that will just help things for the future, you know, increase the tax base, all that kind of stuff to fund the social contract, which is Canada, uh, and make a better place and more economic opportunity in the future for, you know, our kids. So we we specifically went after that group uh, to help them grow up. And, and it's, a, it's a small portion, but, you know, if you could, you can target them and support them, uh, that's what we wanted to do. And, and then the reason we combined the groups was because Again, they were being served off like by point solutions. So companies yeah. would come and say, we'll do your social or we'll set up a CRM for you or we'll build a website for you. And there's nothing wrong for that, but it, except they need a, they needed holistic support and they need somebody who understands that your social media is just a tactic, a tactic that you use in order to get the goals that you're trying to achieve. And, and so you need to have it tied to overall strategy, which is all integrated throughout your business systems. And so you know that group needs needs that fractional C-suite that can think of the entire p- picture of their business and then implement everything along the way and make it all tie in together to one plan to drive results. And and how does it practically play out when you first meet a client, a client approaches you to assess them against that criteria, right? Like because everyone, you know, a lot of people say you know you know I look for values in the owner and blah blah blah, which is one hundred percent fine, but. But how do you actually implement that? How, how do you make sure that you stay true to your work? Well, 
you interview your clients when you when they're when they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them uh, yes. for one thing. But I mean, there are there's a whole ton of information you can get with firmographics, or you can follow people on social and learn more about them and all that fun stuff, right? Uh, in your consulting practice, you ask about their goals, their challenges, their problems. Uh, and then you you get insight as to how they show up and what they're looking at. If you know if the, one of their challenges is, uh, you know, I can't get enough leads. Well, that's that's a that's a side effect of not having a strategy in place and using the various different levers or tactics. So um, when you start to mention certain things that they can do as you're doing that um, discovery, which I don't like to use, it's because uh, that's that's firm that that's my motion. Like I'm doing a discovery. I like to do my stuff from the buyer's motion, my sales um, uh, stages, but you 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 pick up who they are in that phase right and really what it comes down to is they come to you is you they're coming to you like my ideal client is coming to me because i believe in job search so what is a job we're really doing for them they're coming to me because they need to be unstuck they've got to a certain point they can't grow anymore they need to be unstuck and then they want us to accelerate the growth of their business okay so you can figure that out pretty quick if somebody comes and says hey listen I need a website. I don't need to grow. I just need to have a new website. All that kind of, and I've had that like just recently. Yes. And I said, we're not the company for you. And and here's here's some alternatives that you could go to because they'll just refresh your website and help you with that goal that you have. But we don't have good alignment. So I'll turn them down. And you, you ask those qualifying questions and you find out pretty quick where they want to go and what their attitudes are towards um, the methodology that you're employing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great, and you know, uh, and you know, you said people are attracted to you, right? So, what do you do to help with that? H- how are you doing? You know, your outbound, um, uh, inbound, I suppose. What what's your strategy around that so people are attracted to you? So, I mentioned job series. So we understand the job that we're doing, not what we're selling. Like what we sell is a, a bunch of different um, services as products. Yes. But the job that we do for people is we get them unstuck. We create acceleration in their business. We hold them accountable to their goals. Okay. So we need to get that strategic narrative across in the various different content that we do. And so our go-to-market motions are three. We obviously have inbound as a go-to-market motion. We have outbound where I'm doing prospecting or networking or whatever it might be on podcasts, for instance, or speaking, right? Yes. If that's not technically outbound, but it's a form of inbound when you whatever you do it. Uh, and then being category led, which is being a thought leader. So we take that strategic narrative yes. and we push that through all the various content that we produce to per, to educate people on our strategic narrative. And and that gets into our talking tracks uh, for sales, uh, for when we're doing customer expansion with our account managers, all that kind of stuff. Um and everything we do of that strategic narrative has to provide insightful substance to the customer that they're going to look at this and they're going to go, oh, yeah, oh, okay, great. That, that that taught me something and that's on my strategic narrative. And so, therefore, our content is providing insightful substance based on our strategic narrative and our, our you know, our value prop and our point of view about what we want to do in the world. And my point of view is, is that you need to build foundations in order to be able, like first to be able to effectively execute your go-to-market function. And I say function instead of strategy, 
because go-to-market shouldn't just be a one-and-done strategy. It's an ongoing function within your business yes. that is then supported and executed with RevOps within your CRM and your various tech stack. Okay. So that's our that's our strategic narrative and our point of view that we get across in all the content that we do and we try to provide. And it's not that I do it in every single social post or every single commentary that I do, but insightful substance around that strategic narrative. So people are like, oh, I learned something that's valuable to me, that's valuable to my business. And therefore, if it resonates with our ideal client profile, everything we're doing is within their realm of relevance and they come to us. And and what's your 80-20 for this year? You know, what what where are you putting your content? Like, you know, is it like you said, LinkedIn posts? Is it YouTube? Is it, you know, like what what's where are people following you? So most of our audience is on uh, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I find uh, the folks that uh, resonate with us best because they're more uh, focused on technology and new ways of going to market. So we find them on LinkedIn. Um, but when I look at where my leads come from, for instance, I can say, okay, um, when you go through an evolution of a business, when you have a new business, your leads come from your network. Yes. And then what happens is you get a bunch of people that you do good work for and they refer you. So then your leads come from you know, the referrals that you get from the people that you originally did with network. And then all of a sudden you have to do something else because that will dry up or only, or, or if you're small enough, that'll continue to keep you going. But if you continue to grow as an organization, that isn't enough. Yes. Uh, so then you have to really amp up your uh, inbound, which your inbound can become, you know, organic and paid. Yes. Uh, and, and then the other thing you have to do is customer expansion. So we're at that stage now where we get our leads from a variety of sources. So if I say, well, geez, where where do my leads come from the most? Yes. Well, uh, in 2022, it still would be I got most of my leads from referrals. Yes, uh, but it's not it's not a it's not as big as percentage as it once was because we're adding more horsepower to the other ways of getting leads. So paid is 20%. Social is 20%. You know, we get lots of referrals. We get we get new net new leads off of our email that goes to our clients or a few people that have signed up to it, but it's mostly client-based to get our email, which is really fascinating to me because that means we have uh, clients that are advocates that forward our email onto people they know that then, you know, our attribution software tells us that they're they're finding it from this email that they never existed before in our CRM. So they're getting, you know, we've got people that are advocates for us. So we get a number of net new leads that way, which really surprised me when we reflect upon it. And of course, SEO and then, you know, prospecting, right? Um, yeah. And then the last big chunk is we continue to do customer expansion. So you have somebody that's only partway into your program and then you expand what you do with them by getting them involved in the entire ecosystem of your services. Yeah, look, I love it. And and I'll just dial into two things. So one is around uh, LinkedIn as far as the content side of LinkedIn. Right? What what's been working for you well around the content side? Because we all, you know, we know there's an algorithm. There's been lots of changes, uh, particularly right. last year. Uh, so yeah, tell me, yeah, tell me, you know, what what works best for you there? So consistency isn't a strategy consistency is a, a habit okay yes you have to have a strategy of what you're doing with your content which comes back to as i said you have your strategic narrative 
your value proposition, your unique point of view, and then all the various different topics that you do that supports that point of view, which provides insightful substance to that IC, uh, ideal client profile. Okay. Yes. Um, so we have our content mapped out uh, with quarterly themes, monthly themes, all that kind of stuff, uh, so that it's insightful substance to our ideal client profile. And we do it consistently. And we have branded content like uh, refresh with roadmap videos uh, that get out there and get shared and branded. Um, so for us, it's about providing that insightful substance uh, and in sometimes in an interesting format, such as like a branded video, uh, so that it gets out there and resonates with our customers. Uh, Instagram is also uh, a good one for us uh, because we do a lot of uh, brand work. And so seeing the visuals of a brand uh, gets us uh, gets us leads that way. So Instagram and, and LinkedIn tend to be the social networks that we play the most of. Um, YouTube, uh, we're on, but we we either we haven't figured it out right or we're just not doing enough to get it right. But I mean, it's it's a placeholder for our video content. It lives there. Uh, to be ever you know evergreen and found uh, but those are the two main social networks that give us a lot of uh, attribution yes. uh and then uh, and then good old fashioned outbound prospecting yeah yeah uh, and 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 on the the paid right because you know i i agree with you i normally look at four key things so one is your referrals as you said two is your partner so you know for you it's hubspot whoever your SaaS partner is uh the third is outbound uh, that you spoke about and then the fourth is strategic partners. So they're normally the four that that I look at when you know right. I'm mentoring consultants. And you've summed those up well. You've got, I think, you know, and the organic content I think is part of the referral by by that's just where I put that that bucket. But when yeah, it comes to pay, referrals also includes our partners, our channel partners, right? So, yeah, okay. Okay, great. So so the but the paid stuff, right? There's not many. People, I think, are doing that well at the moment. You said it's about 20%. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what's yeah, working so well on we paid. Yeah, so we go on and off with paid. And when yeah. we have events is when we promote and do paid. Uh, so something yeah. that's going to provide insightful substance. Uh, you know, we we do specific webinars on specific uh, topics, and we will do paid promotion to gain that. And when we do that, uh, at least 20% of the leads that show up to those events are from paid uh, promotion. And where is that paid? Uh, we do it on a number of channels, but again, mostly I double down on LinkedIn, uh, but yeah. we will retarget and uh, we, we we play around with the channels, but we're finding LinkedIn is the, is the one that uh, gives us the most um, bang for a buck, so to speak. Right. So that's LinkedIn ads that you do? Correct. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And what sort of format of that? So <laughs> uh, we put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on the creative. Uh, so there's, it's not just one ad, uh, it's a minimum of three to five ads. So there's variations of the ad. Uh, in general, there's a, there tends to be a video element uh, within the ad because that uh, gets more uh, attention. Yes. Um, you promote a post as part of that. So we'll have separate campaigns with paid ads uh, to net new audience. We'll have promoted posts to, uh, you know, our current audience, and then we'll do promoted posts outside of that. Yes. Uh, and again, it's a combination of static, uh, but we use, we use video quite a lot. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, we're going to shift gears a little, because I know that, you know, you you know, you've done a great job in identifying, you know, who your niche is, your ideal client, who you serve, ways that you get leads in and generate more clients. And I think, you know, 
that that's really well. What I'd love to do now is talk a bit, a little bit more about your team and your culture, right? Because I know you, you know, we've talked about this a little bit off air, but um, you you talk about um, doing business the third way, right? In uh, your LinkedIn profile, which we'll put in the show notes, because uh, you're listening from to uh, Steve from Roadmap Agency, we'll put that in the show notes. But yeah, tell us what that means. What what does the third way mean? So, in North America in particular, when I've looked at uh, businesses and you you tend to have businesses that and there's not a lot to go far far to one side uh which uh you know are b corps because there's only like a little over five thousand b corps in the world yeah uh you know four day work week 100 percent uh, employee owned that kind of stuff um and then you have the other extreme which is completely driven by shareholder returns and then there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle that tends to be messy and is uh, for whatever reason, maybe doesn't appear to be working as best as it could be. And I believe that third way is like a clearly defined middle way between those two, which you can have a social conscience, you can have a balanced lifestyle, and you can get reasonable shareholder returns. Profit isn't, isn't a dirty word. And that takes being transparent with your team. So my team with our quarterly dashboard knows exactly what our sales are and exactly what our expectations for profit are. They, it's It's right there. Uh, you know, we're transparent uh, when we go to market to hire somebody with what the wage expectations are that we're paying. Because if you've got everybody appropriately, fairly paid as per the market and you're transparent about it, then you shouldn't have to hide anything. Yes. Right. Yes. And so we provide all kinds of information about the uh, business yes. and uh, that our employees have or team members have access to everything. And also, we're really adamant on protecting um, people's time. So, uh, you know, we've asked, I've asked my staff if they want to go to a four-day work week, and they feel that won't work because it'll end up being compression and they'll work more hours than they would want to in a day. And so it comes down to creating a co-creating a culture that has uh, the survive, sustainability of the business in mind, that uh, provides uh, economic return for the people that are working with you so everybody can have the life that they want uh, and then also provides uh, reasonable shareholder returns. And so that's that third way. And it's kind of like you have to figure it out. You have to figure out what uh, what works with the group that you have. And it takes a lot of listening. It takes a lot of input and it takes a lot of tweaking. But I do believe you can build an organization that has work-life balance as a forefront and reasonable profitability and returns as an outcome and and what i would argue is if you get the culture right and you get that work-life balance right and everybody tries to they have that constraint where okay well we, we we're not going to work extra to get the, the job done we're not going to put in like you know we'll we'll do effort creep and we'll put in like 12 extra hours to get this done you'll you're forced to figure out how to do it under that constraint of work-life balance you become better and of course then the uh the returns for the for the shareholders they come and and uh and that's that third way and you know we we top up maternity leave we have uh, protected days we have 11 paid stats um you know our people like we pay for them we force them to take their holidays um you know i've investigated unlimited holidays but when the average of unlimited holidays is 2.3 weeks a year because of the culture continues to get people to stay in work yes. versus just say hey you get four paid weeks off and you know, you're almost double the 
the average of unlimited uh, holidays uh, that are offered at other other firms. So, you know, we've tried to figure out the culture that fits for our team, and and uh, and that that creates that that work life balance, that third way, and and uh, good returns uh, for uh, for the shareholders involved. And do you introduce this into you know, talking to your customers and saying that the way you're working? Because I'm sure that some of you are sitting here listening to Steve, thinking, yeah, but you know. There's always customer emergencies. There's always something that's going to drag you away from your your strategy of working the the so, third way, right? Yeah, what, how do you sort of do that? Yeah, so real interesting. There was a, a client that they had a really tight timetable, and they wanted they wanted a solution which was a, a massive integrated tech stack, which HubSpot was the brain of it, exactly. uh, and it was moving stuff over from Salesforce to HubSpot. You know, over a hundred thousand contacts, quite quite uh, involved and uh, quite detailed that you had to dive into it with a tight time frame. Yes. And I was right up front with them. I said, listen, here's our culture. We don't work weekends. We don't work after hours. Uh, I just want to be real upfront about this because we're going to, we're going to march this out and, you know, we'll have huddles on your project every single day and we'll give this top attention, but, but, but you need to understand this is our culture. If that doesn't work for you, then this won't work. So when I see those flags, that you know i'm just right up front with the client that this is how we work and you know maybe we've been lucky with the clients that we picked um or that we've educated them up front um but we have been that's been respected and um we haven't had an issue yeah yeah brilliant and look and and is it um because once again, I think people say, "Well, hang on, I've got to, I've got to go backwards to go forwards, right?" Like I, I'm listening to you, Steve. I think this is great, but you know, for me, I'm already stuck in busy world where you know everything's frantic and I'm rushing. You know, every time the customer contacts me, I'm, I'm effectively responding to this this world, which is the world I want to get to, but I just find it very hard to bridge the gap. Like, did you ever bridge the gap, or did you always start? Thinking, no, this is the way we're going to do things, and you just got to work to the beat of our drum in in uh, in the right sense. So, combining a couple agencies meant that you brought in hundreds of clients, and then from those hundreds of clients, you had to figure out which were the right ones. So, what happened was we uh, we had to do work while we had to do work. Like you got to keep the lights on, right? Yeah. So you do work that maybe not is maybe not ideal and it's it's a process that you grow towards and uh, and when you have problem clients you figure out how to fire them let's just be honest about it yeah. uh, and so you have to have that courage to do that uh if if that client isn't working you figure out how to work them out coach them out because uh, it doesn't work for your team it doesn't work for your culture uh and at the end of the day you'll find you're not getting good roi on it right because they're sucking too much time so you identify that stuff and you're actively on top of it protecting it. Now, is it clean and you can just switch all the way? No, but you have to have that, you know, what's the top of the mountain that you're going towards and work towards it and know that it's going to get to a better place and have different measurements along the way. It's like, okay, we only now have three problem clients versus eight, you know, and then, you know, and, and so eventually you'll get there. Because when we came together, it wasn't perfect by any means, but we had a vision of where we wanted to go and we worked, worked for it. Our first year, the shareholders worked really, really hard you know, in order to provide that work-life balance uh, for the staff. And we burnt out because we worked too hard. Yes. And I remember about eight months in, we just said, we got to stop the 6.30 a.m. meetings twice a week. It's burning us out. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, and then we realized we've been burned out for two months already. 
Yes, it's yes. like okay, we're protecting everybody else's work-life balance but our own. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I might tell you what sounds like a perfect narrative, but there were sacrifices along the way and lessons learned along the way. Um, and uh, you know, our staff had, I think for the most part, has been able to have a, a fairly smooth uh experience. Uh, but for some of the partners, it's it's been tough. Um yeah. and we've had some ups and downs and all that kind of fun stuff. But one of the things we did was before we became a combined company, we identified the culture that we wanted and the company we wanted to be by signing on to a memorandum of understanding about who we wanted to become first. Yeah. Uh, Almost like a strategic brief about who you wanted to become so that we all were in alignment on that. Yes. Then we shared that now with the staff that got combined together saying, this is where we want to go and how we're going to work together towards it. So everybody sees where we're marching towards. And then we we measure the progress and we say, okay, we've done this well and we still have to catch up here and whatever. So it's it's not it's not perfect, but you know, it's you know, progress, not perfection. Yeah, look, and, and I think it's it's fantastic. And uh, unfortunately, it took me only 18 years to realize that I'd burn out in corporate. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you 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 caught it a lot earlier than that. But uh yeah, like if you're listening again to Steve and you're thinking, you know what, I'm not going to have another year like I did last year. I think, you know, this is where it's the point where you actually stop. And like Steve said, it's not going to be a clean break. Like you're not going to go from this world to that world, but head towards that North Star, head towards the business you want because life's too short not to live or not to run the business you want. And, and, you know, I can't but help uh, look at the Picture on the back right for those that are watching on video and go to the YouTube channel. It's pauligansmentoring.com to, to see it. But now you've climbed uh, 50 peaks. You've conquered Mount Everest. What what do you sort of bring from your mountaineering experience into the business world, if anything at all? So there's there's lots there's lots of things. There's a sense of possibility, right, when you've done, um, you know, vertical faces and high altitude stuff and you know you know what you're capable of so you you have that grit that's that's yes. the obvious one i think uh the other thing that people don't uh maybe don't know because they've not been in the mountaineering world but a mountain's a project you do a risk assessment you do all that fun stuff you have a schedule that you have to march out and if you miss it there's consequences and i think i think what it is is that um being able to achieve getting leading a team to the top of a mountain and uh following a schedule and and mitigating risks and keeping everybody motivated along the way uh, makes you a really good project manager. And I mean, I taught project management uh, for seven years at a college level, and I would argue that the best project management I ever did was for all of the mountain expeditions that I put together because the consequence was the highest, you know, life or death. Yes. Right. And yeah. so, so I think the ability to execute is what uh, mountain climbing gives me. And and that's that's probably the the best gift. And then the secondary gift is knowing what you're capable of. And of course, then there's a comparison. It's like you know, I suffered at minus thirty five on uh, Denali. Uh, I'm sure that uh, going through this painful client meeting won't be that bad. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And and that's look, I must admit the perspective thing is what what uh, I thought you would say because you know it's a bit like me like i you know i certainly haven't done anything like you have and it's it's brilliant what you do um but you know i've survived a, a major operation and um you know i've had a transplant and it was touch and go at, at one point and i think once you've been through that experience it's like yeah well actually you know does it really like do i really need to, to 
to sweat on the the, the small stuff. And I think right. um, you may not have had that experience in your life, but I think if you can draw from others that have and just think, hey, look, this isn't. I, I use the disaster scale, right? This where, where does it sit? My 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 um my daughter who's listening. To, oh, I hope you're listening to him uh, to some of my podcasts. She says she does. You know, I always ask her like, where is it? Like, you know, your friend said this to you. Okay, where is it on the disaster scale? Is it a one out of ten? Is it a ten out of ten? And I think you know, if we put that context into our business, that helps with that transition to the culture, like like you've got. But look, it's been brilliant, sort of understanding. Um, I think the strong principles you run in your business and the way that you manage the team, uh, I think it's brilliant. But what we'll do now is go into the rapid fire. I'll ask you some questions and then we'll uh, we'll round it out with some quick answers. And uh, once again, you're listening to Steve um, Whittington and you can find him on LinkedIn and the URL is weareroadmap.com. Uh, we so I've got a client that's we are Rocket. So um uh, a bit of a fraudulent slip there. So, so the first one is: what about for you, or yeah, let's say for you? You know, what are some of the daily sales habits that you do to help accelerate? We are roadmap. Okay, that's really easy. It starts at six a.m. Uh, it comes with creating content for LinkedIn. I then immediately go through my tasks that have been pre-assigned for me in my CRM, and I get those all hammered out before seven a.m. Um, and, uh, and then what I do is uh, some social prospecting. Uh, so that's where I make sure that I get some prospecting and, uh, and reach out. Uh, and this is usually done in the first hour, hour and a half of the day. Uh, and then after that, I've got my time blocked BD time where I'm dealing with sales administration, like, uh, proposals or follow-ups for meetings, that kind of stuff. So I baked it in as a daily habit and it's literally just rinse and repeat and consistent. Yeah. Brilliant. And the next is. Learning more about sales, right? Where do you find out more about how to improve your sales credibility? So if we were in my house, there's a two-story bookshelf with a catwalk behind, which uh, I haven't even read half the books because I'm a book hoarder and I love just buying books. So I have a, a pile of books that I read. Yeah. When it comes to sales, uh, the Challenger sale is probably the top one that I would recommend. Uh, so, yeah, I reference, and that's that's old gold, by the way. That's an old book, uh, but it, you know, like the newest stuff isn't necessarily the best stuff. There's old gold out there. Um, I follow a, a pile of folks on on LinkedIn, and I blogs, uh, member of the Canadian Sales Professional Association, uh, that kind of stuff. So, a, a variety of inputs, and uh, and then I'm constantly assessing my sales process and reviewing game tape and that's like that's the that's the real awkward stuff of watching yourself on video reflecting on what you said or could have said in a meeting um you know i, I but i i will go back and i'll watch certain um recorded uh pitches yes. and and my team also will uh watch those recorded pitches and give give me insight and we'll give insight on each other with different pitches so game yeah. tapes brand brand like uh what they used to call in the the Air Force and no rank debrief. I think they're they're brilliant. I'm sure you do some of that in your mountaineering, right? Where you know to to limit limit mistakes. And the next one is, um, you know, if I could grant you one wish for we are roadmap, what would that be? Complete smoothing of everything. So, you know, it's just like there's a consistent lead volume, there's a consistent work level, there's a consistent amount of stat holidays in a month, everything is just nice and smooth. So you can just plan it out and go up into the right without fluctuations. But that is not reality. But that would be my wish. 
Yeah, brilliant. And the last one is uh, knowing what you know now. You know, you combine the two agencies, you've gone after this ideal client, you've got a great culture. Knowing all of that now, what do you wish you had started earlier? I wish I would have started with the founder brand principles earlier than I did. I didn't start with it in year one and uh, because I wanted to make the agency the brand as opposed to the vision of the founder brand. And it turns out, you know, uh, the founder brand is a very, very powerful draw for people. And then um, they buy they buy from me, uh, but then they get their arms wrapped around them by the agency and they fall in love with the agency. And I just needed to disenthrall my fear of being out front uh, for a variety of different reasons. Um, and, and it wasn't that I was afraid about being out front. I just didn't want to do it uh, because I wanted the, the company to be bigger than me. But it turns out the founder brand, it's a with strategy instead of an instead of strategy. Yes. And uh, I wish I would have started it right from day one. Yeah, brilliant. Really well said. Well, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. And uh, we'll have all the links and everything to uh, to Steve in the, the show notes. But uh, once again, Steve, thanks for coming on. It's been a ton of fun. Thank you. What a great interview with Steve. I really loved it. He's a, he's a wonderful guy and how he is on camera is exactly how he is off. He just wants to give his best to everyone, including you who listened. I love his views around strategic intent and how he's gone and, and built his agency based on that. And I also love the fact that um, you know, he believes that being a founder-driven brand is the right thing to do, which I believe in. So you'll, um, you know, you can follow his LinkedIn to see that. So go to uh, his LinkedIn. The link will be in the show notes. But also, why don't you give him a, a post and a shout out for what value he gave to you today? Uh, all the links are in the app that you're listening to. And then also you can get a full transcript of paulingsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. And why not share it with others, right? You might have a couple of other, whether they're HubSpot or agency owners that you think would get a kick out of listening to Steve, or more importantly, learn a lot from Steve, share it with them. They'll think you're a rock star. Don't forget those solo shows where I deep dive into a topic that's going to help you accelerate your sales. And also, if you're scaling your cloud consulting business and you really want a, a like Steve's got the roadmap agency, but if you want a blueprint which really spells out the key things you should do, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash blueprint to get your free copy today. As always, please take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.